of Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the Grace Jameson. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, everybody. Welcome in on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope all are doing well. See what the what the mood of the populace is today after last night's whatever we're calling that disaster. I don't know if that's going too far or not far enough, but it, was, it wasn't good last night, and, and it really had nothing to do with last night. It's the culmination of the last couple of weeks, and it, it was something. It was something, but we'll get into... I don't even know if we'll get into the game. What even happened? Uh, Georgia Tech made a lot of threes. There's your game. There's your game. They made a lot of threes. They took a lot of threes. They went in the basket. The Orange didn't guard it well. All right, uh, game recapped, but the, the conversation is way more big picture than that. We'd love to hear from you uh, throughout our... Uh, two hours together today at 315-437-7644. That is 4 ESPN 44. You know the digits. We will uh, talk a little women's basketball in the second hour. We love bracketology. The Orange men are not near the bracket. Um, they are not in the same state as the bracket right now. So we got to talk about the women. Because uh, not only the women, the women are the bubble right now. They are the bubble team, according to Charlie Cream. ESPN's women's basketball bracketologist. Very accurate generally at what he does. And he has Syracuse as of this very second in time as the last team in the field. Which means that they could just as easily be the first team out of the field. They play tomorrow against the top 20 net team in NC State at 2. Game you can hear right here. And uh, we'll ask Charlie the implications of that game. Good, bad, or otherwise. And the implications of other games, perhaps. What's more important in regards to the Orange and making uh, the NCAA tournament? So we'll talk to Charlie at uh, 3.30 on the women's college basketball bracketology, as we will be hearing at least uh, one women's uh, game on these airwaves this week. Maybe two. Maybe more. The women play at two tomorrow against NC State. If they win, it would be two on Friday against Notre Dame, who is uh, likely going to be without their best player. Maybe, and they haven't said anything about uh, the status of Olivia Miles. I'm intrigued about that as well to talk to you about, Charlie. Because uh, Notre Dame, uh, Miles suffered what appeared to be a non-contact knee injury in Notre Dame's most recent game, clinching the conference regular season title on Sunday. Um, non-contact knee injuries, generally bad. Olivia Miles, their best player, generally good. How does that affect the bracketing, the seating, if you know, you don't know otherwise? Stuff like that should be. Interesting to find out is the ACC is having the opposite situation with the women as of the men. They are the strongest conference top to bottom in women's basketball and are benefiting from that uh, significantly in the bracket. So we'll do that coming up uh, next hour. Also in the next hour, we're already going to look ahead a little bit to the next game for this reason. Uh, This show is not on these airwaves tomorrow because of the women's basketball game. And if the women win tomorrow, this show is also not on Friday. So I got two tickets to the Wake Forest game. I best give them away today, lest I just end up with two tickets to the Wake Forest game that I never give away. We're going to do that later in the show. Later in the show. Stay tuned. Probably around three. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but we got two tickets to the Wake Forest game uh, to give away later today. We've got a little sound from Jim Beheim from post game last night. We may dabble in 
if we uh, get time. And uh, Jerry McNamara was at Orange Nation an hour and a half ago. He had some uh, impassioned points that he got across that we may be able to get into as uh, well today. So all uh, various things we can chat about. But it starts with last night. And not even the game. The post-game show last night was, uh, it was a lot of things. Shout out to the great crowd on QSportsTalk.com. Record-setting crowd on QSportsTalk.com. It was packed. For as much as a chat room can be packed. We had a ton of people in there chopping it up, watching Jim's post-game press conference, airing grievances, commiserating. A ton of calls last night from up and down the eastern seaboard. I heard from um, Kentucky, North Carolina, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, east and west, various parts around central New York. We heard from all over. And after a lot of these recent games, the tenor of the calls after some of these losses was mad. We went from, why can't they close a game mad? We went to, Joe Gerard stinks mad. We arrived at, how in the heck do they keep getting blown out mad? Last night, it wasn't mad. Last night was sad. It felt like a funeral. It was a, a very funereal. Like If, I, if I'm ever going to feel like what it's going to be to be a funeral director, you know, when nobody actually died... Uh, that's the best way to do it, I think, is host a post-game show after that. And I said this last night, and you know, I've had however many hours since to ponder and think if we were on it, I guess it's about 16 hours or so since we signed off last night, give or take, that trying to come up with a list of games that were like last night, and I'm not talking about heartbreak. There's been plenty of that in Syracuse basketball career. Indiana title game, first 15 to lose to a two in Richmond, the Lawrence Moton timeout, Vermont, Orinze's injury, Fab Mello, Scoop Jardine in the backcourt or not. Like the, you can point this way and that way, and you can land on something good of heartbreak. And, you know, every program's got that. Syracuse has more than a lot because they put themselves in position of heartbreak more than most. But last night was different. This went into a different category of a no-show. And I don't know if it was a don't care, a no effort, or just tanks empty. I don't know the reason why it was a no-show. But rare is the game I can think of that goes alongside of this one in the no-show department. DePaul at 06. And we might get to it later in the show, Jerry talking about that game. Obviously, he played in that game. Lose by 39 on the road against DePaul, who stunk at the time, by the way. Stunk out loud. Terrible. Complete no-show. I, I file this game maybe slightly differently due to the circumstance, but 1997, the Orange are in the bubble of the tournament. The year after playing for the national championship, missed the tournament, clearly didn't want to be in the NIT, acted like it for 40 minutes, we're no longer in the NIT. Got blown out in front of nobody in the Dome against Florida State. Like the complete no-show games. It's Syracuse basketball history. The list is short. The list is short. Last night, very high on the list. And considering at the end of the streak that it came on, 
that is now the fourth straight double-figure loss, even more so the fourth straight loss by at least 17. Four straight just shellackings. Duke game, never really a ball game. Pitt last Saturday, close first half, just thumped in the second half. The Clemson game, yeah, not really ever a ball game, save for a little bit early. And then last night, you just got you got smacked around from the get-go against, and this is where this one stands out, like in the other three games, Syracuse didn't play great, but they were playing, in all of those cases, one of the five best teams in the league. It was three of the five best teams in the league. All right, you lose those games. Now, you lost them ugly, but yeah, most teams in the league lose those games. If you are not amongst that group, and Syracuse is not amongst that group this year. But last night, total no-show. And against a bad team. Georgia Tech's a bad team. They're improved. They've improved to bad. And it it stands out just for so many reasons. Like what and what has happened? What has happened here in the last two weeks? And this to this point, this has been both the unanswered and maybe the unanswerable question. I don't know if there's something going on behind the scenes that has thrown everything up. Usually when there's something going on behind the scenes, you know there's there's a little smoke. Like, oh yeah, I've heard some I've heard some stuff. Mm. There's some uh, stuff out there. We've heard about it. I wonder if it's true. I haven't really heard any stuff. Other than you look at how they played the last two weeks and you're like, there's got to be some stuff, right? How else could they be playing like this? Because you go from the NC State win, and really, I, I come back to these games again. The Miami loss, the Virginia loss, the Carolina loss. Yeah, you lost the games. This team's not great. But man, they fought their butts off in those games. Where is the fight gone? Where is the fight gone from this team and from this program in the last two weeks? It's baffling. It is absolutely baffling to see that the fight, and this usually is there for a Jim Beheim team. Say whatever you want about Jim Beheim, and I'm certain we'll, we'll talk about it today and tomorrow, and we'll talk about it until something is said one way or another about is this the end or not or whatever with Jim. And this has been probably both his biggest, you know, what what's the, the uh, your biggest weaknesses or your strengths or whatever the whole thing is. Like his, his biggest strength and his biggest weakness in many ways are off the same things when it comes to it. He has, for 47 years, been defiant. He defiantly raised Syracuse to the top of the college basketball world. And he's been defiant about some of the bad stuff as well. Pick whatever. He's been defiant. That defiance was gone last night after the game. It was um, an oddly different Jim Beheim in his post-game press conference. I'm not saying it was bad. It was almost serene in the way he uh, took questions and answered them. There was no, there was no battle. There was no back and forth. There were reasonable answers. Like it was, there was nothing at all bad about it. It was just very, very different after 47 years of defiance, and I mean that in both the positive and the negative. I mean, you got to defy a lot of people saying, what, what do you mean? Big time national championship college basketball in Syracuse? Well, Jim Bayon said, yeah, we can do that. And they did. Well, now it's gone the other way. He's still trying to say that, and it's not working. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. But last night, it's shortlist all time on just what the heck happened. And, you know, that post game show drove it home last night because we, we had a ton of people, and the we hit on it. The age range was. Significant. We were talking to people in their 20s, people in their 70s, and, you know, it hit everybody kind of the same way. Just sad. 
said, still cared. That's important. Still cared. Not mad. Maybe mad again today. What's said? We'll see where it goes because in theory, this weekend is supposed to be a happy one. Friday night, getting the band back together from the national title team of 20 years ago, a little watch party and a Q&A with the fans Saturday, retiring Jerry and Hex jersey, going out against Wake Forest, a team in theory you'd think you should be. Like, it's supposed to be a happy weekend, but you're entering it on a tinge of sadness. So I'll be very interested to see where this whole thing goes. It, it is going to be... Um, it has got the potential to be an all-time weird atmosphere in the Dome on Saturday because, at least in my mind, maybe other people thought they have gone to this game before. I never thought this game had happened. I never went into a game thinking it might be happening. Saturday might be Jim Beheim's last game coaching in the Dome. I have never gone, watched, done anything with Syracuse basketball before where I thought that. I know a lot of people thought he was going to go out last year with his kids. I never personally thought that. Not one. Heck, even when the plan was announced with Hopkins way back in the day, I'm like, all right, yeah, that's a great-looking plan at all. I'll believe it when it happens. And here we are seven years later. Like, I never, like, you never think the day that's, when the day hasn't happened once in your life, why would it happen now? Well, Saturday might be that day. It might be Jim Beheim's last game in the Dome. And I'm not saying it should or otherwise. But I'm saying that, like, the whole crowd's going to be there, and I don't know what they're expecting. You know, 25, 30, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be a big number. It will be, my guess, it'll be the largest or second largest crowd in college basketball this year on campus with the Duke game. And all of those people might be in the building for Jim Beheim's last game in the Dome. Or not. And man, like if the same thing happens as happened last night, atmosphere in there is going to get weird in a hurry. Weird in a hurry. All right, phone lines are open at 315-437-7644. Love to hear all of your thoughts about uh, all this today. Game last night, big picture thoughts, whatever you want. Uh, we'll go to the lines. Uh, Jay in Baldwinsville is with us. Jay, welcome in. What's on your mind? Hello, Jay. Are you there? Yeah, hey, sorry about that. I am. Hey, listen, I just want to, hey, on behalf of the uh, the community here, we want to, we want to welcome you guys to the party. And what I mean by the, the party uh, and you guys is the local, the local media and talk show guys on saying, you know, what, what's going on the last two weeks? You guys are a little slow to the party. The, the problem with the program, the slide of this program has been going on for a while now. Okay, so I'm glad that, that you guys are, you know, finally catching up to that, that there is a problem with the program. Um, secondly, you guys, they were, you know, there's a lot of talk about how Beheim seemed very quiet, very, you know, uh, appropriate in his, uh, in his press conference last night, to me, it looked like a, a, a little bit of self-revelation. Or basically, I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Titanic, and when you saw the captain staring out the windshield as the ship was going down and the glass that was about to break, um, that's kind of the same look that Beheim had uh, on his face last night during the press conference. Um, lastly, um, you know, we're talking about should he go or whatever. Or, you know, there's decisions to make. Listen, I believe the AD has been given every bit of information. He has everything he's, he's wants and looked at, including last night. Um, if, if this guy can't make a decision and, and his job is very well paid job is to make decisions on behalf of Syracuse, of Syracuse university and 
the athletic department, um, then he's got to make a change in the program, bottom line. And to be honest with you, I don't think it's just giving it to Jerry or Red. I think, to be honest with you, if you're going to do it, you've got to go in a whole different direction because, really, Jerry and Red are basically just an extension of, uh, of Bayheim. So that's all I got. Thank you. All right. That is uh, Jay involved as well. Uh, Jay, everyone on Earth has seen Titanic. So, yes, I have seen the Titanic. It's, you know, it was the most watched movie of all time. So, uh, yes, I, I caught it. The ship sinks. You knew that going in. That's the thing. Not, like, the Siri, the Jim Beheim ship at some point was always going to sink. Every ship always sinks. Like, we talk about, you know, endings to sports careers. People want to go out on a high note. Nobody ever actually does. It never actually happens. Like, John Elway went on a high note. Did he? Yeah, he won the last two Super Bowls. Did he go out on a high note? Or did he draft pra- Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler? Osweiler. Like, nobody ever actually ends up going out of the high note, do they? So, I, I think that's where we're at now. It's like, how how do we reach the end point of Jim Beheim? And I'm not saying it should be Saturday, but it might be as far as the Dome. But how do you navigate these waters? Because I don't think it is as simple as Jay just says. Yeah, okay, everyone out. You do too much everyone out, and you're taking literally everybody's history of Syracuse basketball and throwing it away. And I'm not saying just the coaches or the players. I'm saying yours, mine, everybody's, if you completely cut ties. And now I'm not saying that means you have to hire Jerry or Red. You have to manage both sides of it, though. Because the history here matters in a way that is different at places that change coaches every five to ten years. The connective tissue is different at those places than it is here. And that doesn't mean you just do what Jim Beheim wants, but it means it matters. That's what it means. With that, we'll take a break. We'll go back to the phone lines. Alan, hang on. We'll get you with you when we come back. Phone lines open as well. 315-437-7644. Off and running here on this uh, Wednesday. We had the wake last night. We'll see what people are feeling like uh, today with a game left in the regular season and the ACC tournament to come. Back after this on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. It's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here we are rolling along on uh, the day after. The day after the Titanic, apparently. We're making... We're comparing things to like one of the biggest disasters in history. Or then the thing that turned into the word that described all disasters. Next up, we will compare Syracuse basketball to the Hindenburg. But the phone lines are open, 315-437-7644. Or they will be open once I talk to the people on said phone lines uh, right now, which we shall uh, do. Let's uh, go to the lines. Alan in Cicero is with us. Alan, hello. How you doing, sir? I am doing very well. Uh, great. Hey, um... You know, I just wanted to say one thing. Uh, well, actually, a couple of things. Um, you know, everybody's putting Jim Bayham down over the past couple of years. But does anybody remember when Syracuse was winning the Big East tournament with teams like Georgetown and St. John's? These were teams that were... Really good teams back in the day. And the thing is, is that nobody remembers that. 
these people that are going to the games now, I mean, I'm old enough to be these kids' grandparents. And they, 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 all they see is the here and now. They don't see the whole thing. You know, and if somebody wanted to, somebody wanted to go after their job, how would they feel? Better yet, these people that are trying to show up complaining all the time, maybe they should send a resume to, um, the, the athletic department and see how they would do, you know? Yep. Jim Beheim has forgotten more about basketball by 6 o'clock in the morning than most people will know their entire life. So Jim Beheim is not the problem. A lot of the problem is is the same problem that my son was going through when he played lacrosse. You know, it comes from the parents pumping their kids full of their kids are this, their kids are that, and their kids were no better. It comes out to be a big fish, small pond. All right, and Alan. And kids get into college, and there's a lot of big fish, and the pond's a whole lot bigger. The, that... So that's, a, that's all I've got for you. Thank you very much. Oh, you are most welcome, Alan, you know. Uh, once we got rolling there, I, I, I kind of wanted to see how that was going to end. So um, that went from, I you know, Jim Beheim has done a lot in his career. True. And then we got into the uh, helicopter sports parents, and that, that was a left turn. I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. All right. Well, that was something. That was something. We, we all we, we all learn a lot on on these phone calls. But uh, yes, but I, I think part of it is part of it is a lot of our fans are do remember those days. They remember them very well, and these days ain't those days. Like it is a direct comparison. It is Jim Beheim compared to Jim Beheim, and this version of Jim Beheim's not doing as well as that version of Jim Beheim. It's not Jim Beheim's not doing as well as you know previous Hall of Famer. No, he's not doing as well as himself. Like it's a very direct comparison to uh, the 80s, the 90s, yesterday, and uh, today. That's a different station here, I think. With that, we'll uh, we'll go back to the phones. Steve in Liverpool is with us. Steve, hello. Boy, I, I really give you a lot of credit for trying to wade through all these phone calls. Um, you know, two years ago, we were in a Sweet 16, yep. and we've got... Uh, you know, a difficult situation last year. First losing season for Jim Beheim at that time was 46 years. You go take a look of how many programs have had losing records with one coach. And, you know, you go back to Wooden, John Wooden, he's one of them. Tom Izzo at Michigan State as a head coach never had a losing season, but they only have one national championship from over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. They're not talking about getting rid of Izzo. So, you know, the game has changed over the years, but I just am very confused when Coach Beheim has done what he has done over these 47 years, one losing record. It won't be losing. It might be a tie this year. But, you know, given that grace, again, I think social media is driving this whole thing. Uh, He's always had difficulties with local media, you know, national media for the most part. You know, he gets along just fine, but, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen yet. 
Um, you know, as you said, it could be his last game at the Dome on Saturday. But let's let the season play out, but at least give him some respect for the years he's been there. Yeah, and I think you know this, Steve. Like, when he walks out to the Dome on, on Saturday, like, we, everyone's saying what they're saying. Like, he will get cheered when he walks onto the Dome. He's not going to get booed walking onto the court. That's just not uh, going to happen. And, uh, Steve, thanks for the call as always. But uh, I, I think it's right, and I think that's why, you know, whether whether Jim should be here next year or not is a separate conversation of, like, th- this has to be handled well because – He's given everything to the program, to the university, to the city for 47 years as the head coach, longer than that in life. So, yeah, there's over that time, you build up a lot of good, you build up a lot of bad. And it all needs to be taken into account, for sure. And, you know, there'll be plenty of days to celebrate it down the line. I would not think, you know, may, Jim might know already that Saturday is going to be his last game in the Dome. Like, he might have made that decision. I don't know. It doesn't matter, but I don't think he has any interest personally in upstaging Jerry and Hack on Saturday. Like it's their day for that stuff. Like if Jim, some if if it came out before that game, it was Jim Beheim's last game ever in the dome. Is anyone going to remember the other things that happened that day? No, no is the answer to that question. No, they are not. So, you know, going out on tops no longer. It's not going to happen here for Jim, barring something kooky. But, yeah, you have to consider the other stuff because the other stuff did happen. <laughs> the other stuff uh, matters, too. All right, uh, who we got next? Scooter is with us. Scooter, hello. Uh, Al McGuire, Brian. Went out on top. Al McGuire, yeah. I'd say Al's about – it's a very short list. Al did go out on top. It is. Him and John Madden, right? Yeah, Madden, too. If they, Al said if ever won the national title, he's going to get on his motorcycle and – Go off in the sunset. Actually, became a pretty good, I think, great color analyst. Oh, so was outstanding. He had another career afterwards, but I, I remember they beat North Carolina. I think it's the same year that Cornbread Maxwell knocked Syracuse out of the tournament after we beat, uh, you know, Bernard King, and uh, and, and we beat them uh, Ernie and Bernie show and. And I think it was the same year. I think it was 77. I yeah, think it was. Uh, Marquette won in 77. So if you're telling me that was all the same year, then it had to be. Yeah. Yep. Uh, a couple things. First of all, we talk about recruiting, right? How does how how does Scott Drew in Waco, Texas, and Baylor recruit? And remember one thing about Baylor: they were they were on the death the, you know, death row. Remember the remember the incident where the players shot the other player uh, and, and the they head, had the big cover up. Yeah, and Dave Bliss, their head coach, covered the whole thing up. Uh, yeah, exactly. that, that was uh, as bad as anything. That's that's really the only <laughs> thing that's making the Alabama situation right now not like the worst thing ever. Absolutely, but Scott Drew took over a program that has won the title recently, has always been in the top 10 or close to it, and how do you recruit players to Waco? I mean, that's my problem. I hate excuses, and that's the reason why I always kind of root for teams like Boise and Gonzaga, because they don't, they don't make excuses. They just go out and do what the best thing they can do. And Here's a guy in Waco, Texas, somehow out-recruiting Syracuse. Incredible sometimes. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that program was as dead as dead can be. Like, I mean, quite well, no pun intended, quite literally. It's like no. one of the worst things that's ever happened. Like one player shot another player, the head coach like covered it up. It's the craziest exactly. story in college basketball history. Um, uh, but yeah, but yeah, Waco, like not a lot of people go to Waco voluntarily. So uh, you, you have a point. And heck, in many ways, like how did Jim Bayon get people to Syracuse back in the day? But he did, but you're right. Some, somebody's, somebody's going to have to do it again is I guess the point. Do you think has anybody have ever asked uh, 
players? Was it the Carrier Dome? Would we be playing a Manly Fieldhouse? Would Pearl Washington come? Would Billy Owens come? Would I think Derek Collins still might come because he had the Dave Bean connection. But the players out in California, would they come all the way to play at Syracuse if it wasn't for the Carrier Dome? I mean... Does it go hand-in-hand? Hand? Well, it's all... I mean, I think it's all of it. It was the Dome. It was Big Monday on ESPN. It was... I mean, Pearl didn't come because of that. A lot of them came because of Pearl. I mean, it, and, you know, Jim Beheim's tied to all of that. So, you know, it's all... It, it's hard to unravel. It, it's all of those things. So, I guess that's the question now, Scooter, going forward. Like, for whomever the next head coach is, what's your hook? Like, the think about what the Dome, as you will. It's still unique in college basketball. It is still, I think, a selling point. Though maybe not what it was in 1985. Uh, being on Big Monday is still a selling point, but now everybody's on uh, TV. So the selling points have changed. So you, you got to find your hook here going forward that I think has to be different than it was back 30, 35 years ago. And finally, if Syracuse played against his own, would Syracuse be chucking up 41 threes? Uh, I mean, we're only chucking up 17. Is it because the, the good man to man? doesn't allow them, or is that part of the system? But basically, would Syracuse be chucking up 41 threes if they're facing the zone? Well, I'd say last year they would be with those guys. I don't know. if they, I think that's more a person, yeah. personnel situation uh, with the Orange uh, Scooter. But, uh, yeah, the, the point stands. you got to have more shooters in the game today, and the Orange are certainly uh, lacking them uh, this year. All right, Scooter, good to hear from you. Thanks, Brian. Yep, that is a Scooter in uh, Jamesville. With that, uh, we'll take a break. Who's up next? Pat, hang on. We'll get to you after the break. 315-437-7644. It is the day after. We're taking your calls the day after. What are we? The day after the disaster in the Dome. Something. We're, we're workshopping. We're workshopping a title. We'll take a break. Much more to come after this. It is the 315 all across CNY. On this hour, brought to you by Billy Whitaker, Cars and Trucks on QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> All across central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. Here we are. I got two. I got two. We usually give away tickets like the day before the game. This is not even the day before the day before the game. This is two days before the day before the game. I think they made a movie called that. Yeah. One of the Quades. Anyway, I got two for Saturday. Why am I giving them away today? Because we have no show tomorrow. Women's basketball will be tipping off at 2 o'clock. That's when the show starts. In many ways, that's when the show tips off. So we will not be doing that uh, tomorrow. Uh, Tim Leonard is down in lovely Greensboro. Uh, they'll be on the air tomorrow. Cutting off your... Uh, the bugs will be gone 15 minutes earlier than normal tomorrow for Orange pregame. That game tips at 2. Should the Orange beat NC State tomorrow? We'll ask Charlie Cream this in about uh, 15 minutes. We'll see if that means uh, they'll be in the tournament. It definitely means they play again on Friday. Then we also wouldn't be here on Friday. So I might be here on Friday. It was kind of a coin flip game the first time around. It was uh, a two-point loss to NC State in the Dome back on uh, January the 1st when NC State was a uh, number 6 in the country. They're no longer that, but they're still good. So we'll see if uh, you know Syracuse winning that game means they're in the tournament or not, or what Charlie thinks about that. I know what it does mean, though, is that we have two tickets to give away for Saturday's game, and uh, we're going to attempt to give them away now with uh, some uh, trivia. So we, we welcome in Matt. Uh, here, here's our trivia question, Matt. Um, with Jerry and Hack getting their jerseys retired on Saturday, they are both in the 2,000-point club in Syracuse basketball history. How many total members are there 
of the Syracuse Basketball 2,000-point club? Uh, I'm going to guess three. Uh, It is more than three. More than three, Matt. Thank you for the call there. It is more than three. So file that away, people. The number is larger than three. There is Jerry. There is Hack. Uh, there's at least two more than that because the answer is more than three. So give a ring, 315-437-7644 for our trivia question. How many 2,000-point scores are there in Syracuse basketball history? Is it a lot? Is it a little? Is it like 70? That's probably too many. How many? How many are there? How many are there? What's Joe Girard at right now? Joe Girard, as of this very second, is not one of them. If he comes back next year, though, he'll add to this list because right now he's at 1,627. 1,627. He'd have um, I, I, a half-decent crack at going after uh, the record if he came back next year, albeit, you know, an extra season, five, compared to, you know, four. He'd have a really good shot at getting a number two on the, the list if he came back uh, next year. So uh, trivia for tickets, 315-437-7644. Do give a ring. I do have two tickets to give away to the game on Saturday. This is a test. Does anyone want to go to the game <laughs> on Saturday? We know it's going to be a big crowd. Like, at minimum, it's going to be the second biggest crowd of the year. Like, there's just no way it's not. Will it pass, Duke? How many people are coming from Scranton? They don't need tickets. All of Scranton already has tickets. Jerry, Jerry's got them coming by the bus load. Man, the charter bus companies in Scranton must be like, what? What? Activate! Activate the McNamara protocols. We must ride. We must ride north. All right, back to the phone lines. Stu in Fayetteville is with us. Trivia for tickets. Stu, Jerry, and Hacker, two of them. How many members are there in the Syracuse basketball 2,000-point club? Uh, does six work for you? The six does work for me, Stu. Nice. Uh, L- Lawrence Moten, Derek Coleman, John Wallace, Jerry McNamara, Hakeem Wark, and Sherman uh, Douglas. And after Saturday, all of them will have their numbers uh, retired in the dome. Stu, hang on the line. You got two for Saturday. Congratulations. Okay, thank you very much. That is a Stu in Fayetteville. Yeah, Moten, Coleman, Wallace, Jerry, Hack, Douglas. That's a pretty good team. Man, bench one of them, huh? Pick five, bench one. That's not a good day. That's not a good day. You're lacking. The the problem here is, like, between Hack, DC, and Wallace out of the top six, like, somebody's going to be bitching they got stuck playing center. Oh, man, someone's going to be bitching they got stuck playing center. Yeah. I guess Moten... Is Moten your three here? Uh, Mo- hmm. You know, you, you got some versatility there. Someone's just going to be stuck playing, playing center. It's probably going to be DC, and he'd be just—he'd be mad. He'd be mad about it. But I think modern era small ball five for DC. I think that's working pretty good. I think that's working pretty good. I'm not mad about that idea. I'm not mad about that idea. But yeah, there's six players of these Syracuse. 2,000-point club. Yeah, who's the sixth man of that group? Like, Sherm, Jerry? Like, no offense, Jerry. Sherm's starting at the point here. Sherm's starting at the point. Who's not starting? Is Hack not starting? Yeah. Like, are you probably starting Sherm, 
Sherm Jerry Moten Wallace DC. Is that what we're doing? Hmm. Yeah, who's coming off the pine on the uh the Syracuse two thousand point score list? Dave Dave Bing got screwed by the whole only playing three years. How many, how many points where, where's Dave on this list? Where's where is old Dave Bing? Dave Bing is still ninth on the Syracuse all time scoring list. Dave Bing scored eighteen hundred and eighty three points in three years. He averaged twenty four point eight a game. Uh, that's a lot of points. That is a lot of points. Dave Bing, John Wallace is the single season scoring record. He put up 845 in his senior year going uh, to the title game. He averaged 22.2. Dave Bing in his senior year scored 794 points. He averaged 28 a game. 28 a game. Yeah, I think out of that group, so, so I feel bad saying this about Hack. I think Hack's coming off the bench. Like, I, I have a hard time. Like, in that scenario, like, he could start, you could go big. I guess you could start Hack, DC, and Hack, DC, and Wallace. You're bringing Jerry off the bench? Like, we need shooting here out of that group. Jerry's the best shooter from deep. Like, Moten wasn't an elite three-point shooter. We got questions here. We got six 2,000-point scores. One of them's got to come off the pine. One of them's got to come off the pine. Where, where's Billy Owens? Billy Owens did not end up in the top ten. Where's Where's Billy? He he would have been he he would have had a shot at the program scoring record if I recall. Had he come back, Stevie Thompson seventh, nineteen hundred fifty six points. How about Preston Shumpert in eighth all time? He he topped nineteen hundred. Preston could shoot it. Yeah, or would you bench the Syracuse all time leading scorer? Have Larry Moten coming off the bench. These are the thoughts I didn't think I'd be pondering today. Yeah, Syracuse, six 2,000-point scores. You can play five at a time. Who's coming off the pine? Who is coming off the pine? Raphael Addison is top 10 all-time scoring at Syracuse. Shout-out to Raphael Addison. Shout-out. All right. So we have given away the tickets of the... And now all six, as should be. Yeah. Like, if you're going to retire some jerseys, I'd figure, like, everybody of the 2,000-point club, that's a pretty good place to start. So that'll that'll be completed. That will be completed on Saturday with Jerry and Hack joining Moten, Coleman, Wallace, and Sherm in that club in the rafters. Now, obviously, there's other people up there as well. But, yeah. Moten would bring a high sock look to the starting lineup that nobody else is really bringing. Like, that's a dash of style you could use. That's a dash of style. Moten averaged 19 points a game over four years. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. It's fun diving down these little rabbit holes and looking at the list. You know, that's part of what it is and part of why what's next is so important because it's not like, okay, say you hire somebody that literally to follow Jim Beheim now, then, whatever, that literally has zero connection to Syracuse basketball. They better learn it up. They better learn it and embrace it. Because there's some programs people come in and say, it's all new, I got hired because we needed to change my way, don't care about the past. Which in some places is fine. They don't have a past. Or they don't have a past that's really worth memory. Or the people that are being marginalized, it stinks, but they're, they're just kind of guys. Listen to that group I just said. You want to marginalize that group? No. You don't. It's important to maintain that connection. Be it. Red. Jerry. Whomever. It is important. 
With that, we break. Women's soups when we come back. Getting close to... They're doing Selection Sunday this year. It used to be Selection Monday. Now everybody's selecting on Sunday. I find that weird. They had their own thing going, and now they don't have their own thing going. I think maybe that got put in play because there is the first four for women's soups as well this year, which is actually in the current bracketology where the Orange would be playing. Not in Dayton. They do that at the future site they'd be playing at. But anywho, well, that's Charlie Cream about all that. He's ESPN's bracketologist. He's from Canastota, New York. All of these things are factually true. Charlie, when we come back after this, it's QSportsTalk.com at ESPN Radio.